Welcome to Coffee and Converse. I'm Diane and this is a show for lifestyle entrepreneurs, those people building a business to support their life instead of living to build a business. If this is you, stick around for strategies on doing business more efficiently, with more ease and in a way that feels oh so good to you. Hey, hey, today's guest, Jayla Ray Ardelian, is a writer, speaker, and ops queen. But she's not here to talk about any of that. She's here to help me understand that something that so many in the online space find fascinating, from memes to coffee, the Enneagram seems to have you covered. But to me, I don't really see how it helps me run my business. As a certified Enneagram coach, Jayla Ray has promised to help me and you understand how to use it as a real tool, not just some fun distraction. Hey, Jayla Ray, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So let's do a quick intro to you and your business. Yeah, so I am primarily a military spouse mentor. I love supporting that community, but I also have a career and background in operations. I'm a writer, I'm a speaker, and depending on when you're hearing this interview, I am either in Italy or about to be in Italy as we are currently moving. So things are a little little crazy over here right now. So let's begin our chat with what the Enneagram actually shows you, because I think there's a lot of confusion I use personality tests in my work and I find people will try to find the overlap, even if the tests are trying to look at different aspects of the personality or different things about you. So where does the Enneagram fit? What is it looking at? What is the reason for it? This is an amazing place to start. Thank you. So the Enneagram is a personality framework with nine types. It's based on what motivates us, what drives us, and what is important to us. So the Enneagram is not based off of behavior, meaning you cannot type someone based off of their behavior alone. Rather, you would need to ask, like, why were you motivated to do that? What basic fear or defense mechanism from your personality structure was driving that decision to engage in that behavior? So it's it's what's going on underneath. And much of it is actually speaking to a subconscious level. So part of what I do in my work is using the Enneagram to build more self-awareness. And when I say that, I mean bringing what is subconscious to the surface. Okay. So every time I do an Enneagram test, I'm a different number. I've been an eight, I've been a six, (laughs) I've been a one. I think occasionally I come out as a nine, but that feels a bit rarer. So how do I type myself as a starting point? Yeah, this is a great question. So there are some people who have success with tests. But in general, I don't recommend taking a test. I recommend reading, reading books, listening to podcasts, especially podcasts that have panels where you can hear, you know, maybe you're between two different types and you're just not really sure. Listening to other people speak about their personality that probably matches your own is such a useful tool because it it allows you to feel seen and validated. You're not going to get that from a test. You're, you're often not going to feel validated in anything. It's actually just going to cause more questions. Can I use memes? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> and here's, here's like kind of a basic framework to go off of Instagram, because I actually think there are incredible coaches who are teaching on Instagram and that's the way of the world. We need to use social media. I am one of those people. But if the post is pretty, meaning it was designed by a designer, it is not a learning tool. If the post is in a meme format, it is not a learning tool. (laughs) It is not a learning tool. (laughs) 
it might be really funny. It might be something that resonates with you and cool. Sure. Share it to your stories, laugh about it. But if you don't know your Enneagram type, those are not learning tools yet. Yet. <laughs> okay. So my very basic knowledge of Enneagram is that I have my profile and that I have a wing and I know that a wing has to be one of the two side profiles. Like, so if I'm an eight, it can only be a seven or a nine. Mm -hmm. But then I'm also weirdly connected to like two other yeah. profiles. Yes. Please explain all the things. Yeah. So there are other, there are two other types that you're going to resonate pretty deeply with on the Enneagram. And that reason is because the Enneagram is a wheel. If you've ever seen that symbology where there's all these weird lines pointing between the numbers, those mean something. They mean that when we are, when we are under stress, we start to take on the traits and characteristics of another type. When we are enacting a lot of personal growth, self-awareness, trying to become better, we're also enacting a lot of the traits and characteristics of another type. So if you're an a eight, different other type, though. Yes, yes. Right. So, so like when I'm eight, when I'm being like really stressy and not my best self, then I come out as type X. And mm -hmm. when I'm being my best possible self through self-awareness and growth, then I come out as type Y. I'm trying not to use numbers so that I don't confuse yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the most basic way to describe it. I will say that, you know, those two types that are present within you and, and moving through those dynamic lines, you have access to the highest, you know, the highest form of those other types too. You're, you're not just automatically defaulting to the worst traits and characteristics. But I, I like to describe it that way because it teaches people when they are under a certain amount of stress. There's a lot of people who walk around in the world who don't know that they're actually stressed or where the stress is coming from. And then that all gets put back into their business as an entrepreneur or as a leader within their team. And it starts to become this huge projection cycle. So part of building that self-awareness is understanding when you are moving between the lines within the Enneagram and how to revert backwards or how to take on the traits and characteristics that are actually helpful. So potentially I could be walking around showing to myself the characteristics of this stressy type mm -hmm. that could alert me to the fact that like, hey, I'm being super stressy at exactly. the moment that maybe I wouldn't be aware of otherwise. Exactly. And then that, you know, that also becomes a tool in of itself because I mean, this is what this is the work of Enneagram coaches. It's sort of that alert of reflecting things back to you, just like any other coach in any other field would and kind of holding up a mirror and saying, hey, did you notice that? Oh, you didn't? OK, cool. Let's talk about that. Let, let's talk about what I'm noticing and what I'm seeing and how we can get you back on a better and more supportive path. And then knowing in the future, like, oh, OK, those are my indicators that that's when I know that I'm I'm headed down this path. and. I can either choose to keep going or I can go somewhere else. <laughs> so can you just summarize the nine types for us? It doesn't have to have a cutesy name, but like for me, someone says to me, oh, I'm a four. And I'm like, it's fabulous. So I have no idea what that means. Yeah, I can give kind of a basic overview of what are called the core motivations. And then I'm going to add a dash of what's called a worldview in each of the types, because when you put those two things together, it starts to encompass that personality type a little bit better. If I just okay. give you the core motivation, you would be like, 
aren't all humans motivated by those things at one point or another? <laughs> okay, so let's start with type one. So their core motivation is to be good, to be morally upright. And this worldview, this lens through which they are viewing the world is that the world is imperfect and they must make it a better place. A type two uh, core motivation is to be loved, to be wanted and needed. And that worldview is that people depend on them for help and they have worth because they are needed. A type three's core motivation is to find worth in their productivity and to be admired or valued. And that worldview that they are working with is that the world values winners, so they must avoid failure. A type four's core motivation is to find their true identity and to be unique. And the worldview is that compared with others, they sense that something is different in their life and they want to strive for what others have. Oh, I already understand several people much better. <laughs> right? <laughs> Let's do type five. A type five's core motivation is to be competent and self-sufficient. That worldview is that the world is a place that invades privacy and resources are something to protect. A type six motivation is to be safe and secure, often in community. And that worldview is that the world is a threatening and unsafe place which drives them to test que or question systems and people in order to feel safer. A type seven's motivation is to be free or unlimited, also put as to avoid pain. I like to inc include that. And that worldview is that the world is full of exciting possibilities. So what is next? There's always this question of what's next, what's next. A type eight's core motivation is to protect oneself and those closest to them. And that worldview is that the world is a tough and unjust place where only the strong survive. So you'll often see an eight avoiding certain vulnerabilities. A type nine's core motivation is to be at peace both internally and externally. And there's this balance that they are trying to create. And that worldview is that the world is not a harmonious place where they can fully assert themselves. That was really helpful. And I was like, a couple of them, I was like, oh, am I connected to that profile? Because I can see Which like, one? like five felt like me yes, at my worst. Yes, you are connected to five. <laughs> five felt like me at my, at my worst. That felt like me, like, like what I think when I, and, yes. and then when I act out of that. You and then definitely, the line. <laughs> and then definitely like my wing is definitely seven. I don't resonate yep. at all with nine. Yep but seven with freedom and adventure and right. it's a hundred percent me. Right. And it's that geared toward experiences, a little bit mm -hmm. more toward experiences versus more toward relationships. <laughs> yeah. And I think it explains to me why some people who are very into the Enneagram, when they try to type me, would type me as a seven based on my lifestyle. Mm. Oh, because you move and you live moving, overseas and right, you're an adventurer. Yeah, yeah cool. Uh, when you try to type people off of tr traits and characteristics alone, you might get closer. Like people are describing your wing. Technically, we got closer to what your core type actually is. But it can be extremely misleading because calling someone hardworking, for example, this is one of my favorites to use because this word is all over those memes on the internet. Mm. Hardworking is not limited to one specific Enneagram type. And it's not limited to a specific group of people either. All nine types can be hardworking individuals, but for some reason it, it gets used for 
threes and eights a lot of the time. Sure, threes and eights are hardworking, but what about the rest of us? <laughs> <laughs> yep. So basically everybody else, if you're not those two profiles, we're just going to assume that you are lazy. Yes. So which which <laughs> which translates wonderfully into, so like, how do we use this at work? I mean, I'm assuming you only hire threes and eights who are hard workers <laughs> to be in your business with you. <laughs> I mean, that makes a lot of sense to some extent. But yeah, so we can use the Enneagram in business as entrepreneurs or in team settings by evaluating how our personality types best work with one another. So it's a lot of the same work that you might do with DISCs, but it's through the lens of our motivations. So it's defining those strengths and weaknesses uh, with the lexicon of the Enneagram, which can take a little bit while to learn, just like with any system. There's a vocabulary Mm -hmm. associated with it, but that's one of my favorite things about it. We can also use it as a tool to evaluate our decision-making and how we set goals. And that's what I focus a lot of my time on as an Enneagram coach, because especially goal setting processes, those are often approached with like one size fits all. It's like, oh, here's my goal setting process. And therefore it's going to work for you as an entrepreneur because I found so much success in it, or it's going to work with your team because it worked with mine. But not every Enneagram type is going to resonate with that. So kind of hop on a soapbox for a second, if that's okay, because a lot of those goal setting frameworks out there are developed by type threes. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, other types trying to take on the characteristics and traits of type threes, because those are admirable. But here's the problem. <laughs> their their worldview is that the world values winners and they are deriving their self-worth through productivity, through how productive they were day to day. So if they develop a goal setting framework, it's going to be about how to increase productivity and how to do the most and how to be the most day to day. And that's just going to (laughs) overwhelm a lot of the other Enneagram types that that may not fully resonate with. It's kind of like looking for the individual motivation of each person in your team to be able to guide them towards the goal by making it something that's exciting to them, yeah. right? Yeah, and just recognizing that we have our own our own unique set of motivations. And I mean, as a type four, like the, my three wing is super dominant. So I, I resonate a lot with type three, <laughs> type three traits, type three energy, like that is present within me a lot of the time, but I'm also combating against that type of energy much of the time as well. So It's just about recognizing that people are motivated differently and how can we bring everyone together on the same page. So one problem that I see with this, Mm -hmm. and you can correct me if I'm wrong. (laughs) So when I do disc with someone, they're answering like whatever it is, 70 questions, and it's asked multiple different ways over and over and over again, and it's been tested and validated. And it's, it's unusual for someone to not resonate with their disc profile. Right. Mm-hmm. I use other tests and they might not resonate 100 percent, but most people get their kind of disc combination. Right. So it's easy for me to go into a team and talk about what are our like rules as a team. Right. From a behavior standpoint, it's easy for me to spot where conflict's going to happen. It's easy for me to talk to people about their communication style versus other people's communication style. Right. DISC was 100% built with business in mind. It's behavior and communication. Now, Enneagram requires me, the individual, to do quite a bit of self-reflection in order to correctly type myself, right? 
And I think, A, we have a lot of people who are quite unself-aware. Oh, so yeah. could be potentially mistyping themselves. Rampant. But then also requires, I guess, somebody to come and share that that's their type openly, which it's quite intimate. Oh, it's it can be very, yes, it's very vulnerable. <laughs> and so if you don't have that core trust, I mean, having listened to the the nine profiles, like if I was going into a brand new team, I'd be like, even if I wasn't, I'd be like, I'm so an eight. I'm an eight or I'm a three. I'm a three. Hello. Because of what it tells people about me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I would be very, like, it's a very intimate thing you're asking the team to share with you and to not fudge around. And I just wonder how long it would take for the Enneagram to be effective with a team because mm -hmm. they also have to learn the lingo. Then they also have to be comfortable enough to be that vulnerable with each other. And then to be able to, I guess, I always say with personality tests, you've got to be so careful that others in the team don't use that profile to, I don't want to use the word bully, but, you know, use yeah. that profile to get their own way. Like, yeah. oh, you're showing up as such an ape, Diane. You know, like, you have to think about my worldview as well. So I, I'm not sure what my question is here, except I understand how it could be effective as a business tool. I just can't see it practically as a business tool. Mm. Okay. Well, I mean, it can be used as a conflict resolution tool. Absolutely. I mean, there are many coaches out there who are doing that and they're using the Enneagram with teams um, mm -hmm. or they're developing a conflict resolution framework. So they're not handling a current conflict, but it's developing mm -hmm. a framework that everyone can feel good about and everyone buys into based on recognizing that, hey, you have you probably have all nine types within your team if the team is large right. enough. So, so you can use it assuming you have at least one of every type and you're, you're using it more to guide how do we make sure this policy or this framework works for everybody's motivations. So you could be doing goals and you could be thinking, okay, this is the goal that I want. How do I make that sound good to a one? How do, what's going to work for a two? What's going to work for a three versus necessarily having a team conversation where everyone goes, I'm a three, I'm a four, I'm an eight, I'm a nine. Yes and no. I mean, I think it can go both ways. I've worked with the Enneagram with, uh, with a team in the past uh, as director of operations. And I think it, the initial conversation about it, especially for those who had not typed themselves yet, and we went over the nine types and we learned about how setting goals and making decisions are clearly important within this agency and how do we, I guess, increase productivity, but also do the right things and feel like we mm -hmm. are all aligned in our action taking when it is required of us. And the, the thing that came out of that was actually just helping people to feel seen and validated. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's not measurable, but just giving people the opportunity to say, and to be vulnerable and say, well, this doesn't really work for me. And now that I have the lexicon of the Enneagram, maybe I can describe that to you in a deeper way and why and why that is. Right. And then coming to coming to conclusions and, and coming to decisions, I think that there is this period where it can get a little messy because everybody is learning. But then once everybody is on board, uh, which can take time. Once everybody is on board, I've seen it only help a team. I understand what you're saying about the bullying. And there's also certain biases that we're all going to start subconsciously mm -hmm. forming against types that think 
that fundamentally think differently than us. I think that can happen with any personality-based system. A hundred percent. I think one of the things I always say about personality tests is that no matter which one you're using, you have to have somebody come. You can't just have everybody take the test, whether mm -hmm. that's DISC or MBTI or Colby-A or, or Enneagram. You actually have to support your team in understanding what that means for them, what it means for the team, how to communicate with each other. And I think the strengths of that particular type, as well as the weaknesses, so that everyone appreciates that kind of whole person. Right. And I can see how Enneagram would be super effective. However, I do think it's one that people throw around without expert help. Oh, yes. Right. Whereas if you're doing something like a DISC or an MBTI, people are kind of trained to like, okay, we've taken these tests. We need someone to explain to us what this means. Mm -hmm. Right. So they're unlikely to, at least to have some kind of masterclass on it. Whereas I feel like Enneagram, people are sharing memes with each other as like mm -hmm. a way to get to know each other. But I also think it feels like Enneagram needs that support even more than the other ones, mm. maybe over a slightly more extended period of time mm -hmm. because you could start with a team and they might not know their types at all. Yeah. And you yeah. could spend like an entire session just doing that. And before they're even ready to talk about how do we build it in. So it makes sense right. you working with the team. I think it might be harder to do with someone who isn't really deep in the Enneagram within the team. Mm. Yeah, right? I totally hear what you're saying. I think that's the that's kind of the catch-22 because when we think about our packages or our formats of like dropping into a team that we don't know and then making our evaluations, doing the testing and then moving from there. I don't know that you can really expect that same format with the Enneagram. It, I think it takes a little bit more time yeah. and a little bit more patience. And I do know coaches out there who do, you know, VIP style days. It's like one, one workshop or maybe two. And then that's kind of it. And I'm not saying that that is a bad thing, but I do think it takes it takes a little bit more time to kind of see the efficacy of it all. But just to increase one team member's self-awareness can have ripple effects on a team. Yeah, I think it would be really interesting from a personal like self-awareness. I feel like that one masterclass could really just have somebody thinking more about their own profile beyond a meme for sure. Yeah. But I agree with you. It feels like a longer journey with the team and a real kind of commitment. I find people flit between testing types. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we've had a masterclass on DISC. Now we believe in DISC. Oh, we've had a masterclass on this. And by the end, nobody actually knows in depth their profile in any of them, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's like if you are going Enneagram, then have someone professional come and talk to you about it yeah. Be prepared to do the work, right? To reap those benefits. Yeah. So I'm sure that there are plenty of other people who, like me, have got most of their Enneagram knowledge from the internets of <laughs> memes and coffee orders. And, so unfortunate. <laughs> right. Right. Re really amusing. But honestly, like we were saying offline, I will scroll through any Enneagram thing. I won't even read somebody else's. I only look at the eights so that because I don't know why the other ones are supposed to be funny. How do I move be, like beyond those memes? Yeah. Do you have a resource? I mean, I think I said this before that those memes just aren't really learning tools. So just recognizing that in of itself 
is, I think, really powerful because then when you're in a mood to learn and to not reinforce all of these great things about your type and what freaking coffee you would order, which is so ridiculous. <laughs> when you're in the mood to learn, your brain is immediately going to start switching into a different into a different mode. And I, I do recommend reading and listening to the podcasts and things. Uh, I do have a free resource in case you're interested, which kind of illuminates a little bit more about that decision-making framework, especially through the lens of being a business owner or working with a team. So I'm sure Diane will include that in the show notes. Awesome. So to finish up, I always like to ask the same two questions of all my guests. First up, what is your number one lifestyle boundary for your business? Oh, goodness. You're going to hate this answer. I don't batch anything. And <laughs> I don't want to batch anything. I 100% see the value in it. I know why other people do it. I want them to do it. I am probably never going to be a batch content maker in any capacity. That actually says a lot about my Enneagram type. And if you know anything about the Enneagram and you know that I'm a type four, you're going to be like, oh, your four is showing. And it absolutely is. It just doesn't. So it doesn't remind work. me what part of your four is showing yeah, right sure. now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, a lot of fours are known for, I mean, the archetype, the stereotype out there is that we're artists, which can be very misleading. <laughs> yes, a lot of fours are artists, but uh, we are creatively driven individuals and do not like to sacrifice, sacrifice authenticity. And so when I'm faced with batch making content, it feels like I'm stripping away at the timeliness and the relevance of what I'm creating because I'm doing it. I'm trying to create something so far in advance and I don't know what I'm going to be doing one to two months from now. So mm. is I, the fact that I batch a lot very eight of me? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And when Excellent. you told me that offline, I was like, oh, that's hilarious because it's just so <laughs> it's so indicative of I'm going to plan out my schedule. I'm going to stick to the schedule. Sure, it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough, but I can do it. I'm capable. I'm self-sufficient. I have got this. And we're going to we're going to suffer a little bit, but we're just going to get it done. <laughs> yes, that, that's 100 percent my podcast batch days. It's usually up to five interviews in an afternoon and I have to have the day afterwards blocked in my calendar because I will be unable to do anything. I will not be able to have a conversation. Yeah. And you've developed a routine around it as well. That's very, yeah. But yeah. for me, it helps me get into, like today I'm in podcast mode. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult for me to have a random podcast show up in the middle of a day. Yeah. yeah. When I'm not like in podcast mode. Yeah. So I see I would be the opposite. Like the fact that I'm having this talk with you today is so completely random based on the rest of what's going on in my life, my business and my schedule. And I love that. I'm like, Woof, we got this little we got this little energy burst. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little interlude in yes. my day. Oh, dear. OK, finally, what is the worst piece of cookie cutter advice you've been given as an entrepreneur? I don't know if I can boil down the piece of advice to one line, but it's that. I tried to take goal setting advice from other entrepreneurs and I don't think it was very helpful. I, I don't think it 
I think it actually caused, this is also indicative of my, <laughs> of my type, but it, I think it actually just caused me to feel a lot of shame and remorse when I could not produce at the output level that other people can. And instead mm. of just recognizing that I got things done and I may not have done them the most efficient way and I may not have done them in the least amount of time, but they were important to me and I finished it. But mm. if I'm taking on the advice of other entrepreneurs out there who are completely opposing Enneagram type, I will then like shame myself that, oh, I didn't get it done how they would do it. I, I didn't get it done in the amount of time they said it would take. I, you know, I took two days off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and especially, I guess, because those types are the traditionally, they match up with the traditional kind of corporate model of this is how you achieve things. Like make your checklist. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Like push yeah. through. You could do it yeah. kind of thing where so I, you're very, right. not so much. And not so much. <laughs> and I can be. I mean, like I said, I have access to that feeling. Yeah. Like I, I, it's there and I do. I do surprise myself sometimes when I take on those traits and characteristics and I'm able to do it for a consistent amount of time. But consistency is something that I struggle with. And instead of shaming myself for that struggle, I'm just I need to look inward a little bit more and to figure out, you know, what works for me and, and recognizing that it's probably not going to be someone else's system. It's probably going to be something that I build for myself. This has been great. I feel like I feel a lot more qualified to just even just even have a conversation where Enneagram is a topic. I also feel like less attached to when <laughs> I'm meme shamed as an mm -hmm. eight. So that'll that'll help as well. I know people are going to want to carry on the conversation with you and tell you their type or why they don't know what their type is. Where's the best place to carry on that conversation on the socials? Yeah. If you reach out to me in the DMs, I love DM conversations at mill.spouse on Instagram. Let me know what you're thinking about, what you're currently challenged by from this conversation. Love a good titillating challenge convo in the dms and i don't know if you have any questions about the right resources to learn from because you've probably gathered that there there's a right, right meme university is not the right meme place. university is not the right place if you do not know your type and it's still not a learning tool even if you do know your type but uh if you want to avoid the meme university and you want to know who to learn from and where to go, you can absolutely reach out to me and I will send you in the right direction. And I also have content on my own podcast related to the Enneagram. And I guess if they follow along on your Instagram journey, they could very shortly see pictures of a new Italian lifestyle. That is true. Uh, I will be the envy of many on the socials. I will try. I don't love giving just the highlight reel. So you're going to see you're going to see the shadow side of living overseas as well, which is probably way more interesting than what coffee I drank that morning at what cafe on what corner, which I'm very into the food. Please share all the food. Okay. <laughs> that, those are story shares. I'm very active in my stories. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been great. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow the podcast and leave us a review.